Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want you to turn again tonight to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to pick up where we left off last week, and I do want to go back and uh, hit lightly on some of the things that I said, because I know sometimes people are not in service, they're uh, serving in other places, and they rotate, rotate in and out of these other uh, service uh, places to serve on Wednesday night, so I just want to make sure everybody uh, is on the same page. Hold your place in Ephesians chapter 6 and go to Proverbs, the 22nd chapter of the book of Proverbs. This is a scripture we referenced last week and quoted it, but I think it's good to look at it. Can somebody say amen? amen. Hallelujah. It's okay if you say amen and won't scare me off. It won't break my concentration, confuse me or anything. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I started last week talking about Christian parenting. And uh, this is such a wonderful verse of scripture. Verse uh, chapter 22, Proverbs 22, verse six says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. What a tremendous promise from God. What a, what a tremendous statement of assurance he is saying none, nothing less than if you'll do it right, your children's salvation is guaranteed. Now see, I, and I've told you this before, but in, in the church that I grew up in, I heard this verse quoted a lot. I suppose I suppose it even preached from, I don't know, but I, I know I heard the scripture a lot. But when we quoted it in my church or when people talked about it, uh, they, they really didn't interpret it the way it was written. There was a watered down version of it that I remember because it was very common in our church for uh, children, teenagers and youth to be raised up in the church and then go out and ne having never been born again, I can think of people right now that I went to church with as, as children and as teenagers. They were in church. They were there all the time with their parents. Never accepted Christ. Never bowed their knee. Never went to the altar. Never accepted an invitation. Were just hardened against, against the things of God. And, and were brought to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and, and midweek as well. One particular man I'm thinking about uh, died a few years ago. He was killed, in, uh, I believe, in an automobile accident. And as far as anyone knows, he never, once he uh, grew up and left home, he never came to church again, never had time for God. And so because we had that reality in our church, this verse of Scripture was usually referred to 
They'd say, well, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. So that means that, you know, that you're that your uh, unsaved child, if you'll just keep on praying for him, he'll come back. That's not what this verse says. This verse does not say if you'll train up a child in the way he should go. If he does leave and, and turn his back on God and go away from the things of God, if you'll just remain faithful and you'll keep praying, he'll come back. That's not what it says. Now, I'm all in favor of praying for your unsaved children, and, and we'll talk about that tonight. Certainly, you need to do that. But, but we didn't seem to understand that there, was any, that there was a guarantee that if we would do it right, God would honor that, and our children would be saved. To be perfectly honest with you, in our church and in our denomination, in our whole movement, I think Michelle and Steve would, would agree with this. It came from the same church that I did. It was more or less, well, it wasn't much better than a crap shot as to whether your children were going to serve God or not. It was, uh, I remember from, from the time I, uh, rem, from, from my earliest memory of pastor's kids, uh, when I, when I, my first memory of, of church, I remember a pastor and his son was grown, but he still lived at home. The next pastor had two little boys and I was, I was still quite young. I was eight or nine years old. He had, he had two little kids. I might've been nine or 10. He had two little kids like toddlers. Uh, he committed adultery and had an affair with a, with a staff member and left the church in shame. Uh, that the pastor's wife, his wife, uh, you know, moved on. We, got a, we had a new pastor come in. She had to vacate the parsonage. And I don't know, she moved on. I don't know what happened to them. Then the next uh, man who came in, his son was close to my age. He and I... Uh, became best of friends. I think I was 10 years old when they came to my church. So that's, he came as a result of the uh, pastor leaving who had had the affair. So I was 10 years old. Uh, so I, know, I knew this pastor's son. After uh, we moved on to another church, and that, that the pastor that we had started another church really wasn't your classical church split. It was sort of a church split, but not your classical church split. It wasn't somebody coming in and splitting the church. It, the pastor, with the permission of the uh, organization, the state officials, and so forth, he, he, he and a group of us left with the blessing of the denomination, went to another side of town, started another church. So that pastor's son, uh, we ended up in the same church again. Uh, then the pastor that replaced uh, that uh, family, that pastor in, in the church that, I, that I, we moved out of, his son, those, uh, th those were the two pastor sons. Well, the, the pastor son that I grew up with and, and became real close friends, he, he, uh, he and I, neither one of us lived right. And the pastor that replaced them when, when the church moved, that pastor's son wasn't living right. I don't know about his spiritual condition now. I know my old friend has uh, run from God, 
and been out of the will of God all of his adult life. And uh, in just in the last couple of years, he started coming to church a little bit. But he's basically had a wasted life. It was a, a sort of proverbial that you don't hang around with the pastor's kids because they're the worst, worst ones. Anybody ever heard that? The pastor's kids are the worst ones. Well, they really weren't the worst ones. If they were, it's because they hung around the deacon's kids. No. no they, they seemed to be the worst ones because everybody looked at them and, and held them to a standard, whether it's fair or not, it's just reality. You know, life's not always fair. It's just the way it is. Uh, but you, we had that. You know, the pastor's kids didn't turn out too well. Half or better of the other kids didn't turn out too well. And we had a, a, a large group of young people, you know, the class, you know, the age group that I was in, you know, which encompassed several grades of school, you know, maybe two or three. Uh, you know, we had a large youth group in our church. And uh, there's a handful of them, as far as I know, who are in church today. More of them are not. And, and I have, you know, real, real close association, you know, in recent years with, with one or two of them, they're not serving God. They say they're saved, but their lifestyle doesn't reflect anything of, of Christ. So, you know, we had that, we had that reality in our church. And so, you know, it was, well, you know, anything can happen to your kids. Just do your best and anything can happen. They may, you know, go off and, and ruin their lives and, and, and live, you know, ungodly lives, but just keep on praying. They'll come back. This scripture says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It doesn't mean when he's an old man. In other words, when he's not a child anymore, when he grows up, he'll not depart from it. That's, that's a statement of, of fact. That's an assurance. That's telling you parents, prospective parents, that if you'll do right, if you'll raise your children right, you absolutely have God's assurance that your children will be saved. He'll, they'll not depart from the ways of God. That's powerful. That's powerful. It's, it's a sure thing. But you have to train them up in the ways they should go. That's, that's where the, the challenge comes. And uh, let's go over then to Ephesians chapter 6. Now, I'll, I'll just comment on this and, and talk about it a little a little bit later. You know, if your children have left the faith or are not serving God, don't give up on them. Ne never give up on anybody. Never give up on anybody. Anybody that you love, don't give up on them. God can do anything. God can reach any, there, did you know there's not one person out there that God can't reach? Now, unless somebody has committed the unpardonable sin, and there are precious few people that have ever done that, uh, and, and I don't have time to go into the background of, of why I say that, but that's not very common. Aside from that, there's, there's not a person out there who can't be one to Christ. There's not a person out there that can't be reached. God knows how to reach 
It, well, why doesn't he do it? He doesn't have, Pastor Greg talked about this, I think, on Sunday night. He doesn't have the liberty to just do anything he wants to in that person's life because that person is a free moral agent. I'm talking about that lost or that backslidden person. They're a free moral agent. And God, you say, well, God can do anything. God, from the standpoint of being creator, yes, he is creator over, the, over all the earth. He can do anything, but as far as his power is concerned, but he has issued principles in his word that he lives by. He's not gonna violate those. So in that sense, no, he can't do everything because for instance, God can't lie. He's powerful enough to do it, but his character won't let him. He can't lie. God can't fail. So there, there are things that God can't do. Well, God can't do everything he wants to do in everybody's life because somebody has to open the door for him because that person's a free moral agent. They, they, have, to, they have to open the door in some way. So well, what if they won't do it? Then he can't reach, can't reach them. Yeah, but your prayers can help them open the door. Your prayers and, and faith and authority, if they're members of your family, you, you can exercise some spiritual powers and, and, and principles, put some principles into motion that God then can respond to and he can crack the hardest nut. If that refers to one of your relatives, so be it. There's not, there's not anybody that's too hardened. God can reach him, so never give up. Amen. In, in Ephesians chapter six, we read these, ver these words beginning in verse one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now I want to stop right there. Why didn't the apostle Paul write and say, parents, teach your children to obey you for this is right in the Lord. You notice that's not what he said. He addressed the children. That tells me the apostle Paul expected and it was the habit in his churches that the children heard the same word that the parents heard. He spoke directly to the children. He didn't go through their parents he didn't say Sunday school teachers instruct your children. In his epistle, he's writing to the church. He, 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 the picture you have is adults and children sitting at the feet of the apostle and learning from the Lord directly from the man of God. The children were involved is what I'm saying. The children weren't off on a playground somewhere. There's nothing wrong with taking our kids for a few minutes out on the playground. That's fine. That's fine. What I'm saying is the children weren't off somewhere else. They weren't at home with a babysitter. The, the, the apostle spoke directly to them. He said, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. You know, He's talking to the children. He's telling them that th there's, there's some reward, there's some promise that goes along with obeying God. That if you'll obey God, you'll live a long time. Our, our children need to be taught that. Amen. Disobedience can destroy your life. Children need to be taught that. It, it, it shouldn't just be 
because I said so. It, 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 it should be added, I said so, and if you'll obey me, you'll do well. You'll live long. God will bless you. It, you see what I'm saying? Put God in all of the instructions. Amen. <clears throat> then he goes on to say, you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. I pointed out last week that uh, the word training there, most translators, the most common translation of that word is the word discipline. And the, the word admonition, the most common translation of that word is instruction. The word discipline has to do with the rules, and there should be rules. There has to be rules. If there, not, if there aren't rules, there'll be chaos in your house. Amen. God's not the author of confusion. He's the author of, of, of uh, order. It has to do with the rules, right and wrong, teaching them the rules. You know, when children are, are young, they need to know the rules. They, they don't make the rules. They're given the rules. Hello. Instruction has to do with the truth behind the rules. And, and that's something that, uh, I'll, I'll come back to this later. There are different ways of teaching truths. One of the most powerful ways is by example. But that doesn't leave out uh, precept. But example is powerful. Uh, let's go over this, to this verse. We read this last week to Genesis 18. Be encouraged, parents. God has provided a way for you. He'll show you. He'll enlighten you. He'll help you. And if you follow his way, your children will be saved. Uh, where did I tell you to turn? Genesis 18. Hold your place there. Go over to Judges. Uh, go to Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13. We read this last week as well, but it's, it bears repeating. When Samson was born to his parents, an angel appeared to his mother and told her some things about Samuel and what, what would happen to him and what kind of person he would be and how he would deliver uh, Israel from the Philistines. So she told her husband about it and her husband's name was Manoah. And it says, Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, oh my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach, and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. If you'll ask God's help, not just once, but probably a thousand times. If you'll ask God's help and his wisdom, he'll give it to you. And if you'll follow that, you'll train up your child in the way he should go. And oh, hallelujah, he'll be in heaven with you. Praise God. There's nothing sweeter than that. Amen. Go back now to Genesis 19, Genesis 18, verse 19. You know, God had promised certain things to Abraham and told him some things about his future 
and about his descendants. And when he appeared to him concerning Sodom and Gomorrah, in verse 17, the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Says I, I, this is kind of, how many of you have ever thought that was kind of peculiar wording of that verse? For I have known him that he may command his children. Has anybody ever thought, well, that's odd? A lot of translations say it this way. I've chosen him. What, what the Hebrew word means is I have revealed myself and chosen and entered into a relationship. All of this is in this word. I have revealed myself to Abraham and I've treated him in a special way. I've revealed myself and I've uh, uh, revealed something about him and his future. I, Abraham had, a, had a, 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 a unique place in God's dealings with all of humanity. Okay? It's not anybody else today standing in the place of Abraham. You know, a few weeks ago I talked about people, I've met people that have come to the church and said, well, I said, well what are you doing here? I just moved here from, you know, someplace, you know, weird place. Well, what are you doing here? I don't know. I'm just here. I'm just following the Lord. Oh, really? Yeah? Well, you know, it's just like Abraham. I'm just like Abraham. He, the Lord told him to leave his home, just go out to a place. He didn't know. And that's, that's me. That's why I'm... No, you're not Abraham. And you're not like Abraham. I, every time, and I haven't been able to do this every time, but every time I've had the opportunity to probe a little bit, because I like to ask questions and get people talking. People will tell you things they didn't intend to tell you, you know, if you just keep them talking long enough. But if I've been able to probe and ask a few questions, get people talking, there's always been a natural component to that, to that decision. There's some earthly reason. It comes out why they're here. But people like to be spiritual and, uh, who aren't and... Uh, anyway, Abraham was a special person, okay? God revealed himself to Abraham in a unique and special way. And he says, in order that he, Abraham, might command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice. If Abraham had not commanded his children and, you know, the word, we don't like, to, we don't like the word commandment. We're grace people. You know, commandments, 10 commandments. That's Old Testament. Following the commandments. We don't like commandments. We're, we're, we're grace. We live in the day of grace. The word commandment doesn't, doesn't always have the sense of a stern uh, demand, but it's nonetheless binding. God, it, God instructed Abraham to to do certain things, to teach his children certain things, and he insisted that he do it and, and left him no wiggle room. He made it clear exactly what he was supposed to do for his children and his children's children, his descendants. If Abraham hadn't followed that, Christ couldn't have come and the church would never have existed. You know, I, I was reminded of, uh, of a story, true story, two, actually two stories that I had read about and heard, or actually heard about many years ago. So I looked this up. 
how, why does it matter that your children are more than just casual Christians? I talked about that last week. I talked about, you know, you can, you can make the, the tragic mistake of letting your children just uh, have a casual relationship with the Lord. And listen, on, on Sundays when they're sitting over there, you, you must know, parents, that some children, teenagers, will raise their hands so mama and daddy will see them raising their hands in church and their mind is not in church. You know it's true because sometimes you do it and your mind's not in church. But their mind is far from church. There are some young people who will raise their hands. They're as rebellious against God as anybody's ever been, but they'll raise their hands in church so mom and daddy will see them and think they've got it. And then every now and then, they'll, they'll mention a, 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 something that the pastor said in a sermon. They'll just make some comment about it on the way home. And, and, and it'll just thrill that parent, you know, because they know the kid's not living right. But, but then again, you know, he's getting something. He, he, he made a comment about what pastor says. He's getting something. They're, they're, they're playing you. I'm just being honest with you. You need, to, you need to examine your heart and listen to the Holy Spirit. If, you're, if your child is not on fire for God, and you know, and everybody else knows, just like everybody knows if you're not on fire for God, or me or anybody else, if they're not on fire for God, they don't have it yet. Amen. It needs to be serious. They, they need to be devoted. Why, why does it matter that your children turn out right? Besides just going to heaven, there are future generations your, your young person or your child might be saved, but if they're not devoted Christians, what are their children going to be? And by the third generation, the families that, that descend from them won't even know God. There were two men in the 18th century. One man was named Max Jukes. He was a hard-living, drinking man. Uh, he lived a godless life. He did not respond to the gospel when it was presented to him. He rejected it. He married an un ungodly girl. And from their union, this book that, that followed these descendants was written uh, some time ago. But they followed his, his descendants. And from this man, Max and his wife, 310 people, direct descendants, died as paupers. 150 were criminals, of which seven were murderers. 100 were drunkards, drunkards, and more than, more than half of the women were prostitutes. His, four, his 540 descendants cost the state one and a quarter million dollars. And this book was written a long, long time ago. There was, there was another man, his contemporary, the same time, he was the son of a preacher. But how many of you know that doesn't always turn out? He was the son of a preacher and his, and his, and his father was really a compromiser. His name was Stuttered, Stoddard, I think. He was a compromiser. Lukewarm, had a lukewarm church. This young man went off to college and he had some real serious questions about God. But while he was in college, he had an encounter, a truly life-changing encounter with Christ. 
And he became a very celebrated preacher by the name of Jonathan Edwards. Ever heard of him? He pastored in Massachusetts and uh, was one of the principal uh, uh, leaders of the first great American awakening. From his descendants, he, he and his wife were practically no lawbreakers of any kind. More than 100 lawyers, 30 judges, 13 college presidents, 100 or more college professors, 62 physicians, 100 clergymen, missionary, and theological professors. 80 were elected to public office, including three mayors, three governors, several members of Congress, three U.S. senators, and one vice president, Aaron Burr. 60 uh, had attained prominence as authors or editors with 135 books notable books written by them, 75 Army or Navy officers, and one comptroller of the U.S. Treasury. It matters how you raise your children. It matters that you pass it down to the next generation, that they get the truth, that they get the real heart of God. It matters. You, you, you might think, well, we don't have that many years. We don't know. But... The generation of your child matters. You know, all like I said last week, all of us would agree that uh, the most important thing in raising our children, the most important job we have is seeing that they're saved. Isn't that right? That they go to heaven, that they, that they know Christ. That's the most important thing. I mean, it, it would be a, a real tragedy if you go to heaven and your children don't. You know, hell's a real place. Eternity is forever. Sometimes we hear, I'm thinking about a, a person that I know, a minister friend of mine. Sometimes we hear about someone who, uh, you know, their child, this, this, this man I know, he's a pastor. His grown son was also a minister, got into some trouble did some things. He, was, he wasn't someone who had a background of trouble, but as, a, as an adult, he got into some real serious trouble. He's married, has two children. He got into some real serious trouble, did something really, really uh, wrong. And uh, he was prosecuted, sentenced to prison, and uh, could have been life in prison. But uh, as it turned out, you know, prayers that people have prayed, you know, he's, he's, uh, he, he's really gotten it pretty light but his parents this pastor friend of mine is and his wife you know just heartbroken you know they know their son did wrong they're they're, they're not uh uh defending what he did but still that's their son he's married he's, he's got two small children and now he's got to go go away to prison just just it just broke their heart it'll break anybody's heart you know he was out on on uh uh Bail while he was, uh, you know, going through the trial, I think. And then, you know, the, he, he was convicted. And then he, one day he had to turn himself in. And, and that's his last day for him. What a horrible thing to think that your child's got to be locked up in prison. Wouldn't that break your heart? The sorrow of, of all that he's lost. He won't come, be, he, you know, his wife and children, he, he's locked away in prison. Listen, hell's a lot worse than that. Last week after church, 
Pastor Angela said, well, I, you know, I hope people that, you know, who's, who've gotten unsaved children, I hope, you know, this, this doesn't come across as discouraging. You know, I don't either. But I tell you what, if I had a child who was unsaved, it would be the biggest thing in my life to pursue would be making sure they get saved. If your child is, is unsaved or if you're not sure or they're not living for God, I, I tell you what, you ought to be, you ought, it ought to be something that you get a hold of God and you don't turn loose. There are some things you can do but if it makes somebody uncomfortable who's just kind of going through life and just kind of oblivious, well, I wish my children were serving God, but they're not. You, listen, wake up. It's more important than that. They're not going to be sentenced to, to, to uh, you know, the penitentiary. They could go to hell and be in torment forever and ever. Do, get a hold of, 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 of God. Make it a matter of prayer. Make it a matter of... of, 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 of of uh, using all of the, see, there is somebody that can reach your child. There's a, like I said, there's nobody that can't be reached. But if they're not being reached, it's because somebody's not doing something about it. Amen. Your child can be reached for Christ. There's somebody. I mean, I would, I, I, it's something that it would be my number one prayer, faith, authority, uh, intercession, uh, 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 principle of my life would be to make sure my wayward child comes in. Don't let up on it. It's important. But it's so much easier to raise them right. And, and, and let me, let me, let, let me rephrase that. I know it's not necessarily easy to do, but it's so much more, it's, it's easier than trying to, to get them back in. Let me put it that way. You can do it right the first time. And so I'm talking to the younger ones that are, do it right the first time. It's so important. Now I know in heaven, the Bible says that there'll be no tears nor sorrow. God will wipe away the tears from us. I, I don't believe in heaven we're going to remember. Or, or I don't know what happens. I don't know what happens to our understanding of things. I'm a pastor. I don't know everything. I don't know what happens in heaven if we remember, but it doesn't matter anymore. If we're on another level of understanding. But uh, I'm certain of this, that we're not sorrowful in heaven over our loved ones that didn't make it. Because he said there'd be no sorrow there. I don't know how that happens. But even when we get to heaven and, 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 we, and we would not be sorrowful, it doesn't erase the fact that our kids still didn't make it. And, and I know that now. And, 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 if I, and if I knew that was the case, it, would, it, it should cause sorrow now. It should cause consternation. It, it should cause prayer and, and, and supplication and intercession, getting a hold of God until our kids are saved. Amen. Uh, Joshua 24, we looked at this. I, I know I'm looking at the same scriptures, but look in Joshua, the 24th chapter. Because I think I just made reference to these last week, and I think it's very important that we should read it. Joshua, of course, in the 24th chapter, he's giving his... Uh, 
instructions to the nation of Israel. He's presenting to them the choice of right and wrong, following God or not. Verse 15 says, and, it's in, and this is him speaking to Israel. He said, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which are on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, he, he made a declaration. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I, I told you that when my children were, were born, now when my oldest son was born, I wasn't in fellowship with the Lord. But uh, a few years later, I got back into fellowship with the Lord. Uh, I don't know, year or two before Greg was born, maybe, maybe a year before. Uh, but that, that's one of the earliest things I did because I, I remembered the scripture. Now, I also, you know, heard Proverbs 22, 6, and I, and, I, and I understood it to mean train up a child in the way he should go, and he'll probably go out and act like an idiot, but just keep on praying, he'll come back. It's not what it says. But I remembered this scripture. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. I got a hold of that. And I just, as a, as a, a statement of faith and a declaration of faith, just within my own heart between me and God, I said, as for me and my house, we will serve God. My, my house, my, my family, everybody in my family, my children, we will serve the Lord. And because of that, there, there's never been a, a, a question in ra- raising our children. There, it was just never, it was never an option. There, there, wasn't, there wasn't an atmosphere in our house that, that gave any uh, idea that you could do anything but serve God. They're just, it's just the way it was. And that atmosphere of faith is powerful. There's other things we have to do with it as well. But, you know, that's the way God intends it to be. God intends for a, a, a man and a woman, if they're unsaved, uh, when they get saved, he intends for a man and woman to get saved and to bring their family in. That everybody gets saved. Everybody gets filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the plan of God. Uh, if, if a young, young man and woman are saved before they get married, it, it's, it's the will of God. It's, it's, the, it's the divine order. It's the normal way. It's the expected way. It's, God doesn't see it any other way, but that your children will come in. That at the earliest age, uh, go over to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. You remember Paul and Silas were in prison? Verse 25, at midnight, this is Acts 16, 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing praises to God and the prisoners were listening to them. See, this is, this is one way you teach your children. In the midnight of your life, in whatever's going on in your life, how many, how many of you have experienced midnight before? Now, this was probably actually the midnight hour, literally, you know, in the sense of time, but I think this refers to any time of darkness, any time of trouble, when it just seems like it's midnight in your life. What, are you, what do your children see you doing? It's not enough for them to hear at church what you should be doing and, and what you say to them when they're... When they're uh, uh, you know, having difficulty at school and somebody's not treating them right and you tell them right there. They need to see you doing this. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and their children, I mean, their prisoners were listening. Your children are listening. 
Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so I'm not, gonna, we're not, I'm not going into all that, so I'll skip over that. You know, the, the, uh, uh, they were set free, and the jailer came in and said, you know, what, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31, they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved and your household. Now, now th- hear what he said. Believe you, jailer. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved and your household. Now, certainly the household has to accept this, but the, but the promise was made to the, Jew, to the jailer, you believe in, and you and your household will be saved. That's the way God intends it to be. That's his promise to you. Now, now they, had to be, they had to each one come to the Lord. Notice what happened next. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. So every one of his household had to hear the word of the Lord. Your children aren't saved on, on your faith. Like I, like I heard my pastor used to say, God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. And so because you're saved and you, you love God, doesn't mean that that doesn't translate that your children are saved. They have to receive for themselves. But still the promise is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be saved and your house. They'll hear the word of the Lord. It says they spoke to them the word of the Lord. And he took them the same night, that is the jailer took uh, Paul and Silas, the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. See, everybody came in. That's the way it's supposed to be. Now when he had, had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. It, they, it was a family affair. They all heard the word of the Lord. They all got saved. They were all baptized. They were all praising God. That's the way it's supposed to be in our families. A whole household, all supposed to be saved, all supposed to be speaking with other tongues, all supposed to be praising God, all supposed to be in love with the Lord. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's, it's not ordinary. It's, it's not it's not. The, it's not uh, in order or, or acceptable in, in the plan of God for, for you to have a child that just won't serve God. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. And, and you should never accept it. Now, now I know that when you, when you deal with this, I know people are in different stages in their family life. Some of you have young children, I mean really young, and, and it's real easy for you to make this commitment because they've yet to, 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 to be formed and, and trained. Some of you have older kids that are very rebellious and want nothing to do with God. I know that's a, that's, that's a, those are two different situations. But in, before you'll ever see them saved, you've got to start thinking the way God wants you to think. You got to start seeing that there is a that God expects your children to be saved, and if He expects them to be saved, even though you've maybe have messed it up, even though you might not have applied these principles like you should have, listen, there, God will still help you, and your children can come in. Do not give up on them; they can come in. Praise God! God will show you how to do it. But but you you want God is. God has this uh, particular character about him. If you've m- made a mistake, he doesn't help you 
out of that mistake until you realize the mistake you made. I've just noticed that about God. In other words, if you, if you have, uh, if you have, if you're in financial difficulties because you've mismanaged money, God will help you, but unless you learn where you mismanage the money and start managing it right, well, let me put it this way, the help is limited. There's only so much God can do if you don't learn what you're doing wrong, okay? And so, you know, allow yourself to be corrected. Allow, you know, we, we've got a family member that uh, has done everything, virtually everything wrong in child rearing. And uh, the statement's been made to us, well, I don't know why your kids turned out so right. I raised my kids right and look the way they turned out. They've turned out like fools. Well, as long as you're in denial, you know, you're not gonna get a lot of help. So you can't be in denial. You can't, don't let the devil beat you up, but uh, learn that, there's a, that God has a way. God intends for your child to be saved. I don't care if they're 60 years old today. There's a way for them to be born again, but, but you, you, have to, you have to buckle down and say, I'm gonna believe God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what he leads me to do. I'm gonna see my child saved. Like I said, if he's 60 years old, you can do it. Amen. Uh, I just, you know, the reason I'm, I'm so strong about this, I see some re- neglect, a lot of neglect in, in Christian parents today. I, I see so many of them who just seem to think, you know, just... The most important things in life are to feed them and clothe them and keep them in school and make sure they're on the, you know, the ball team. And if, you know, if I, done, if I do that, I've, I've done my children right. No, that, that's not true. Uh, far more important things than any of those. I'm not saying that school and feeding isn't right. But uh, uh, that's, that's, just, that's just the beginning. Amen. See, I'm concerned that a lot of Christian parents actually do very little, if any, actual training. I think too many Christian parents expect the church to do the training. We bring them to church and it's the pastor's responsibility and the, and the, and the tiny tots or the uh, primary or the, or, or the uh, uh, lighthouse or, 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 or Faith Island or the youth. It's somebody else's department. It's their responsibility to teach our children. That's, yeah, we have a responsibility, uh, but it's the parents it has the main responsibility. Isn't that right? Because like I said, uh, it's important that they not just come to church and make a confession of Christ publicly. We, we want to see their heart reflect. We want to see, we, you should be able to see in your children a hunger. I'm talking about parents that still have young children. You, you, you need to see in them a hunger for God, a real experience with God. Amen. Uh, you know, taking your kids to church is essential, but it's not enough. Go to Deuteronomy 26, or, or, or verse 6, excuse me, chapter 6, verse 6. Deuteronomy 6, 6. I'll get this out. You still out there? I know where I want to go. Just follow my mind. Deuteronomy 6.6. 6. 
This was the instructions that Moses gave to the children of Israel when they came into the land of promise. So let's start in verse number four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall serve the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Now you see, if you love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and the word is, is abiding in your heart, these next verses are, are not going to seem hard. They're going to seem like the, the, you, the next, the, doing these next two verses will just come automatically. And ye, these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This scripture is saying that parents are responsible for making sure that their kids hear the word of God and are taught the word of God. And he said, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. You shall talk of them when you walk by the way or when you drive by the way. You shall talk of them when you lie down. You shall talk of them when you rise up. It doesn't necessarily say that you should lecture them all the time. Uh, I've known of parents who've done that and in, in their homes... It was, you know, the gospel was almost, or the word of God was almost a, a, a whip that was used on the kids. That, that's, that's not what this verse is talking about. We never really lectured our kids. Now, listen, I just want to say this and, and try to remember this uh, all throughout this teaching. I know that when you start talking about children and raising your children, it's very touchy. I, I understand that. And, uh, and, I, and I don't mean to be uh, overbearing. I know it's very touchy. And I, and I know parents uh, many times will, and when, I'm, when the pastor is teaching along this line, it's very common for parents to say, well, pastor, that's good. You do your house the way you do it. It's my house. I'm going to do what I do in my house. And I want you to understand, I believe in, in parental authority. It's your house. I believe in it. I, 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 you know, I, I would never try to interfere with what you decide to do in your home. It's, you, you're, 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 your home is sacred, and I'm not going to interfere with it. So I, I, don't, don't uh, be, be aware that the, there's a response, a, a natural response that parents, there's a defensiveness that can come up. Parents can say, well, you know, listen, you don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know what, you know, you, 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 you're, you're raising your children was a piece of cake. You know, you don't, you don't know. Well, you know, I understand what you're saying. You know, I mentioned this last week, the Apostle Paul, when he was talking about, uh, you know, giving instructions about uh, celibacy and marriage and, you know, not being married. And, you know, he, he, was, he, was, he lived a celibate life. He didn't, have a, he didn't take a wife. 
So he was a bachelor. He, he, he made a decision to live that way. He made some instructions to uh, uh, the, the church in, in 1 Corinthians. I, I guarantee you there's some of them that came back with the same rea- reaction. Well, that's easy for you to say, but you don't know how it is with me. Huh? He said, you know, he, he instructed them about whether or not they should uh, give their daughters in, in marriage or not or whether they should uh, uh, persuade them not to be married. I mean, he gave a lot of personal instructions. And, but he's made this comment. He said, She'll be, you'll be happier if you'll do this in my judgment, in my judgment. Then he, then he added, but I think I have the Spirit of God. Now, what was he saying? Was he saying they didn't have the Spirit of God? No, they had the Holy Spirit. They, they, he said, you come behind and no gift of the Spirit. They had the Spirit. He wasn't saying, I have the Spirit and you don't have the Spirit. It wasn't a condescending thing. It, it, he was simply saying, it, when he said, if you'll do this, you'll be happier in my judgment and I think I have the Spirit. Certainly he knew he had the Spirit and he knew they did. What he's saying is, I believe that what I'm giving you is, is right. I believe it's from the Spirit of God. But he, but he wouldn't want to be dogmatic. Please understand that's the way I'm approaching this. Now, now some of the things I've said real strong, but, but when it comes to, to how you raise your children, I'm going to say some things and it, and it may cause some of you to, to bristle a little bit. Well, you know, you, you just... Stay out of my business. Well, you know, I'm going to make some suggestions, but I'm going to, I'll honor you. I'll honor you. You know, in our youth department, our, our youth leaders teach the children, the young people, excuse me, they don't, don't let them know I said that, the young people to honor their parents. They, 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 your youth leaders will always have your back. They may come to you privately and say, listen, you know, I, uh, I really suggest you do such and such and so or change this or change that. that that's a suggestion. But your, your kids will never know they did that. They will always have your back. They will always point them to you. And, and, I, and I would do the same thing. I honor uh, your authority as parents. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I don't mean to be pushy. But the way I did things, you know, it worked. And if it worked for me, it'll work for anybody. Amen? He said, you shall diligently talk of them. I didn't, I didn't lecture my kids. I didn't use the Bible as, a, as a, a, a whip to beat them over the head. I didn't force them to read their Bible. I didn't, uh, I didn't make them pray. I didn't, I didn't make them do anything except I set an example. Now, if they had challenged me and said, we're not going to church, I'd have made them. <laughs> you understand? But it never came up. He said, well, you're the, you're the pastor's kid. No, it was that way. In, 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 there were other people in this church did the same thing that aren't pastors. It was just, it's just the way it was. Did, did your kids buck you and say, I'm not going to church? No way. You, you just wouldn't, that's just not possible. And so what, we're, what I'm saying is there, there are some things that'll work if you'll do them because the world teaches something completely opposite from what I'm teaching. The, the world teaches just let your kids just you know, go their own way. Just point them in, in, in a right direction and uh, roll the dice and see how it turns out. Let them decide. That's a, that's a, a, a terrible 
uh, uh, failure on the part of a, of a parent. Amen? Train up a child in the way you should go, me he's old, he'll not depart from it. When, it. when it says you shall talk about them. See, Pastor Angela and I, we talked about the, the things of God because we lived it, we lived our Christian life out loud. So our kids grew up hearing us in, in the face, you know, little kids aren't as so aware of things, but kids, as kids grow up, they begin to be aware of different things that are going on, you know, in the family and in other people's lives. And they heard us making statements that, that didn't seem to jive up with reality. And they learned, oh, they're doing what, the, now they, dad, they heard dad in church. So there are a lot of things that I taught my children. I, I did teach them while I was in church. But, and, and your kids will learn things in church. But what I'm saying is when you go home, uh, they need to see and hear those principles being put in place. See, your kids, let's, let's say you're a real honest man and you've got impeccable integrity and you're known in the community uh, other adults. If you're a businessman, for instance, if, if you're a businessman, businessman, you have a business, and, and all of your uh, subcontractors, the people that you deal with, they all wait, they all know that's a man who, who pays his bills on time. His word is his bond. Uh, you can trust anything he says. You could, you know, you can you can give him a million dollars, and and he'll have it when you want it. Uh, you know, if you're that kind of person, it's not enough for you to just be that kind of person. Your kids need to hear you talking about what makes you that kind of person. So they need to hear, hear you talking about integrity. They need to hear you, you, you talking. If, if, if you have to walk in love towards people, has anybody, has anybody here had to do this but me? There are people sometimes that you have to just go out of your way to just love them. Your, your kids need to see you doing that. They, they need to know that mom and dad, now you, you understand kids don't need to know everything, but there needs to be some windows in your life where they see you not reacting the way they know you'd want to, but reacting in love. See, that's how you teach your children. That's how you talk of them. Just between husband and wife, many times my wife and I would have conversations. And just in our conversations, you know, kids are always listening. We weren't really talking to them. But they, we knew they were listening. And, and we weren't just always, always conscious at the time while our kids are listening. But the point is, we, we, in our conversations at home, the way we conducted our life, it, it was all about, and I'm not saying you know, we're perfect, that we're always right and we always were spiritual. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we lived our life in such a way that our kids heard us and saw us demonstrating what we believed. That's how you, that's how you talk of it. All the time in your house. Now, did we make mistakes? We made bundles of mistakes. <laughs> I mean, there are times we got angry with the kids, lost our temper. There are times we didn't treat each other right in front of our kids. Listen, you're going to make, don't think that this is all about being perfect. And if you're not perfect, you know, you'll just never make it. Listen, we, we could write books of, of the dumb things we did. We didn't always get it right, but I tell you what, when, it, when we were wrong, our kids knew, knew it was wrong too. And then they saw us correct it. 
they saw us in humility go back and apologize and make it right. They, it, it's, it's good for your, for your children to see. If you, if you get into a spat and you, and you don't treat you know, your husband and, and wife right, they need to see you make up. They need, they need to see you humble. That's how, that's how children learn to do it, by seeing their parents. That's what, that's what living it out in front of them is all about. We lived by faith. I mean, we lived by faith, and we still do. But, uh, you know, there were times when, uh, sorry, I didn't know it was that late. Uh, we lived by faith. Our, parent, our kids now, it's little children don't need to know if they're pressing financial problems, okay? Little children don't need to know if there's life-threatening things going on beyond their ability. You know, you understand, you have to, you have to know where your child is. But at whatever level they were able to see things, we made sure they, we made them a part of what we were believing God for. We, we, we got them to pray with us when we were praying about things. And all of that created an atmosphere. And that's what I was talking about last week. Bringing up a child in the uh, uh, training and admonition of the Lord, bringing them up in it is creating an atmosphere for it. If you'll do that and, and, uh, and ask God's help and direction, He'll see you through all of the mistakes you'll make because you'll make some. And he'll see you through them and he'll keep on blessing and he'll, because of your faith and your determination and your, your just faith in God, your children will get it right. They'll go to heaven with you, praise God. Well, praise the Lord. We'll... At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.